We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Brilliant. Thank you for that. It's great to see you all again. Um, it's been said that the book is simple, just like its author. So um, I hopefully, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, it's great to be back. It's uh, week two of our three-part series, Loving People Towards Jesus. If you missed last week, just a brief recap on what we covered. Um, we looked at the word evangelism, which if you're a Christian, it's the word that may make your skin crawl and cause you to run for the hills. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, it might be the word that uh, you'd go, oh, that's the weird thing that some Christian has tried to do to me. Um, we looked at evangelism, why it's such a scary word for Christians. We looked at, I shared a story or two of um, Dub's evangelism stories gone horribly wrong. Um, to encourage you that uh, how not to do it. Um, we looked at evangelism being Jesus' idea. We looked at Jesus' great commission for his church, his great commission for every Christian to go and make disciples. So we looked at the fact that whether we like it or not, it's something he's called all of us to do. We also looked at how, um, according to Jesus, the only way we can do anything as Christians is through his great commandment to love. And the way that we can reach people with the message of Jesus can only ever be through loving people. And so as we reflect on that, we looked at God's heart. We looked at three... Um, parables that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. And we just reflected on God's heart for people. Um, if you were here, we just looked at how God is so passionate to go after lost and broken people. Um, and so he just calls us to love people. We looked at how um, our role is not to save people, but to love people towards Jesus the Saviour. And so hence the name of the book, Loving People Towards Jesus. There's, there's a brief recap um, on, chat, on part one last week. I did it quicker just now than I did last week. Um, but if, if you weren't here, do have a listen to it. It will do you good. Today, part two, we're going to look at the topic, what does loving people towards Jesus look like? We will look at some truths from the Bible, from uh, some truths from Jesus' lips, um, and we will, I will share lots of stories today about what I've seen as I've looked to love people towards Jesus and as I've seen God do amazing things in the lives of people around me. Um, I think today is going to be really super encouraging for you, I think. I believe it will, because um, as we look at all Jesus wants to do in you and through you, I think you'll feel empowered and encouraged. As you hear stories of lives changed, I think you'll start to dream about people in your life and think, wow, maybe for them, maybe for them, maybe for them. Because you know what? God is passionate about the people in your life. So what does loving people towards Jesus look like? Firstly, loving people towards Jesus means you care before you share. There's a cheesy strap line for you to remember. You care before you share. What does that mean? You care, you love people, you fulfill Jesus' great commandment to love before you share the gospel, before you evangelise. Um, 
And this is a, this is a really a cultural thing to say. We are in 21st century post-Christian Britain, and in our culture, people may not be as close to God or as ready to hear the gospel as maybe people would have been in years gone by. It's been said that in the 1800s, the Methodists would come into a town, they would uh, pitch a big marquee uh, in the big park in town, they'd They'd hand out leaflets all over the place saying, um, evangelism night, come to, our, um, come to our event in town. And there'd be hundreds of people just coming along to hear the gospel. What would that be like if you did that in Guildford today? If you just hand out leaflets to say, come and hear the gospel, would you have hundreds of people queuing out the front of this building? You may not. And it's been said that as the Methodists came and preached, huge numbers of people will come to faith. Town after town after town after town. In the Methodist era of the 1800s, you didn't necessarily need to care before you share. People were ripe and ready to hear the gospel of Jesus and you could just come and tell them. And their ears would be attentive, they'd want to hear, their hearts would be changed and you'd see people come to faith time and time again. And then we are in post-Christian Britain, post-Christian Guildford in the 21st century. And so where are people at in terms of the gospel, in terms of being ready to hear the message of Jesus today? I would say they're not, most people aren't ready to hear the gospel yet, that, in terms of your first interactions with people. I think that um, what seems really important for people in our culture as they meet Christians, is they experience a Christian that cares before they share. There's another cheesy phrase, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's just a really helpful thing just to bear in mind when you're interacting with people around you. Allow them to know that you view them as a precious person, not as a project. Help them to know that you love them, that you care for them, that you're interested in their life, in the things that are important to them. Do life with them, have fun with them, share hobbies and interests with them. When someone's in need, be quick to offer support and care for them. A neighbour dropped me a message uh, and they said, let's meet up for a coffee soon. And my thoughts were twofold. Firstly, um, coffee sounds nice secondly alpha starts soon alpha starts soon the course about Jesus and so my reply um, coffee sounds good Um, alpha starts in a couple of weeks why don't you do it Um, and their reply thank you no (laughs) the reality was for them they're saying will you spend time with me will you care and for what I left them feeling was that they were a project They, they would have felt something like Dub's not necessarily interested in spending time with me. He just wants to make me like him. And so care before you share is something that's really, really important. If I was Jesus, I'd have done things really, really differently to him. Here's some of Dub's wisdom for Jesus. Here you go. Um, Jesus, you've got the greatest and most urgent mission on earth. You've come to planet earth and you're just allowing people dis- to distract you from the mission. As, you're, as you've got your focus, Jesus, on your mission and someone comes up to interrupt you, don't let them interrupt you, Jesus. You're too important for that. That would be Dub's wisdom to Jesus. What's so important about Jesus was he always had time for people. And it's, I'm, I'm almost shocked by the fact that 
the Son of God would stop, would change his plans, would change his course of his day to be with people that just asked for his time. I'm shocked by that. If I was him, I'd have been far too important to spend time with the people that wanted to hang out and wanted to interrupt my day. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it, that Jesus had, he had three years of his ministry and a significant value for him was stopping and making time for people. Isn't that quite incredible? And so you and I in our busy 21st century lives, we live in Surrey, we've got bills to pay, we've got jobs to do, we've got kids to sort out, we've got this, that, we've got so much going on. As we think about the people that are sort of, that might feel like distractions around our lives, if Jesus can pause and make time for them, then you and I definitely can as well. We're his followers and we can make time for people as they just sort of look to break into our busy days. Time is such an important gift to give to people. It's so important that if you want to reach people with the love of God, just pausing and making time for them is so, so important. Just uh, another thing. If you, want to make t- if you want to do life with someone and show them you care... If you open up your door, that is a great way to open up your life. Such an important value of Jesus was hospitality, was, was being with people, was having a meal with people. And what was interesting in um, the Middle East 2,000 years ago was the way that hospitality often worked. You notice things like Zacchaeus up in the tree um, and Jesus sees him and stops and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to have dinner around your house today. And in our culture, we might look at it and go, it's a bit cheeky, Jesus, isn't it? A bit of a freeloader, aren't you? Can't you invite him to yours? But in the Middle Eastern culture, even today, but particularly 2,000 years ago, a way to show someone honour was to say, I'm going to come and eat in your house. And it was such a, Zacchaeus wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been like, you you, want to come to my house? How dare you? He'd have gone, wow, you see me, you value me, you want to come and eat with me. And as you look at what does that mean for us, it flips, doesn't it? It's the other way around in our culture. It probably would seem a bit rude. If um, I meet a stranger in town and say, I'm going to come and eat around your house today, that'd be a little bit odd. But um, as you open up your front door and invite people in, it speaks something really significant to them. It speaks of your value of them. It speaks of your care of them. And the difference it makes is just huge for Zacchaeus, it says, uh, Jesus said later on, after he's had dinner with him, he said, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus having dinner with Zacchaeus was something that led to eternity changing for Zacchaeus. And I believe that lives around us will begin to be drawn towards Jesus as we invite people into our home. It might seem so simple. It might seem so difficult. What will, I, what will I feed them? I'm no gourmet chef. That's not what it's about. It's about just stopping, making time, making a cup of tea or coffee. That's absolutely fine. Giving them a biscuit out of the biscuit tin. Absolutely fine. It might be a meal, but stopping and making time for people and inviting them into your home to invite them into your life is so, so valuable that will lead to people just being drawn towards Jesus. We've got friends of ours, Matt and Bridget, that we met on the school gate, and I'll share Matt's story 
next week. Um, but they were new to the school. And, and Tanya and I, oh, my wife, Tanya is here today, by the way. Can you give us a wave? Lovely. And, and our, our three kids are here. They're in the kids' work. So um, you do feel free to go and chat to Tanya about how she puts up with me and uh, how embarrassing some of my stories have been and all that sort of stuff later on. Um, we started hanging out with Matt and Bridget from the school gate. We started inviting them around our house um, and, and hanging out with them. A couple of months later, they were new to town, didn't know anyone, and they were suddenly experiencing Christians spending time with them. Bridget sent a message saying this, I feel blessed that you're part of our lives and have welcomed us so openly, quirks and all. And as you hear Matt's story next week, you'll realise what a difference it... Bridget refound her faith, having started to connect with us and others that were friends of ours from our church. And as you hear Matt's story next week, tell me now, no, you have to wait for next week, sorry. Um, you'll realise what a difference it made to him as well, that we just opened our home and we just started spending time with them. Care before you share. One thing that... I feel that for most Christians, this, this would be something that Jesus said about us that we just would not believe. And I want to just, just explore that and think about it this morning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, he said this about every Christian, every one of his followers, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither should you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If, I was to, if you're a Christian here today, if you're not a Christian and I ask you, um, do you think Jesus is the light of the world? You might say, don't know. His, his teaching was quite good, don't know, not sure. If you're a Christian and you have experienced Jesus and he's in your life and I'll say to you, when Jesus said that he is the light of the world, would you agree? You can nod if you would agree. Yeah, would you? When Jesus said, I am the light of the world about himself, would you agree with that? Jesus had the words to eternal life. It's been said that Jesus' words were the greatest words ever spoken. His was the most wonderful life, the most perfect life ever lived. He loved people more than anyone this world has ever seen has loved people. He would stop and make time for people that others rejected. He would heal the sick. He would talk about the kingdom of God and he would offer eternal life to people all around him. People were impacted and transformed in the presence of Jesus. So if I say to you as a Christian, was Jesus the light of the world? You'd say, yeah, of course he was. Yes, he was. And then, so he said that about himself. He then said in Matthew 5, he said to you, if you're a Christian, you are the light of the world. And at that point, I believe lots of Christians get a little bit awkward. No, no, not me. No, Jesus, you were, you were. In fact, Chris is. Chris is the light of the world. There's, there might be two or three around here, but no, not me. No, 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 no. I'm not the, I'm not the light of the world. No, not me, not me. Oh, I know all my mistakes. I know all my selfishness, my, my sin. No, I'm not the light of the world. I, I've noticed that many of us as Christians just do not believe Jesus when he says to us, you are the light of the world. And as you think about what you're actually saying, if you're, if you're saying, Jesus, you're wrong about that, are you saying Jesus is mistaken? Are you saying Jesus has got it wrong? That he's made a mistake? That he's lying, maybe? No, not me, Jesus. You're wrong. Jesus, you're wrong about me. Other people, maybe. You're wrong about me. 
as you reflect on Jesus saying that and then you giving, if you are somebody who says, no, no, I'm not the light of the world, it's not an arrogant thing to believe him. It's actually a lack of faith to not believe him. And it's actually just a statement of faith to say, Jesus, I believe your words. I don't, it's not an arrogant thing to say, Jesus, I believe that I'm the light of the world. It's, it's a faith thing to say, Jesus, you've said it. And so it's true. We believe what he says about himself. We find it hard to believe what he says about us. And yet he said to you, if you're a Christian, you are the light of the world. It's incredible, isn't it? And so as you reflect on what that means, what does it mean? As someone encounters Dub, do you know what that means? It means they are blessed. It means they are privileged, not because of my personality, by the way. Um, that wouldn't be a privilege. They are privileged. Do you know why? Because they're encountering the presence of God as they encounter me. That's quite amazing. It's amazing. This is not um, Dub thinking he's something. This is about Dub saying, Jesus, I believe what you say about me. As I've allowed myself to believe that, it has transformed um, how I carry myself. It, transformed, it has transformed what I expect to happen as I interact with other people. Because as I interact with someone, they're encountering the presence of God through me. Isn't that amazing? As you think about that for yourself, as you go about your day today, as you go about your week this week, as you go to your workplace or you drop the kids off or you go to wherever you do your hobbies or you go to the shops and you interact with someone, a small smile or a little hello and you, just, you are just yourself and you just connect with someone, they're experiencing just something of God as they encounter you. Can I encourage you to believe Jesus when he says that about you because it changes so much and what it leads to is your expectation that people in your life will encounter him because they're already just getting a taste of him as they spend time with you so important please I want to encourage you maybe just to take those three verses Matthew 5 verses 14 15 16 and just reflect on them this week and just to say Jesus I know I know so much about my weaknesses, but I believe you when you say that I'm the light of the world. I met Nick and his son George at a um, parent and toddler singing group at a church near me. And it was as awkward an experience as you are thinking it probably would have been. Uh, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be anywhere else than there. It was even my day off. Um, and I was looking after our youngest, Ethan. This was um, maybe a year ago before he started school. My wife, Tanya, was working on a Thursday, so I was off on a Thursday. And I got a message from Sarah, one of the um, mums in our church, who'd been to a local in our village, been to a, um, a parent and toddler singing group. Um, and she messaged me saying, can you come next Thursday? There's a guy called Nick. Um, all the parents are mums. He's new to the area, hasn't got any friends. He's a stay-at-home dad, desperate to meet people. Um, can you come next week? And I'm thinking, it's my day off. 
oh, and that sounds like the worst thing in the world. And so I took a deep breath the next Thursday morning, got dressed, and then was heading there. And as I was heading there, I saw there was like a two and a half minute voice note from Sarah explaining how, how terrible it's going to be, how much you'll hate it. And don't worry about going, it'll be awful. But I was committed, so I went. And um, it was as bad as I was expecting, it really was. Um, it was a dusty old hall, it smelled of little kids, and the singing time was really, really awkward. Um, and I didn't want to be there. But I'd gone just to connect with this guy, Nick. So I went there, said hi to Sarah, um, and Sarah introduced me to this guy, Nick, and just started chatting to him. Um, and we laughed and we cringed as we drank the cheap coffee um, and we listened to the awkward singing. But Nick was a really nice guy. He was a stay-at-home dad, new to the area. And he thought, everyone in Surrey is really stuck up because, you know what, I just want friends and no one wants to spend time with me. And so we just chatted for a while, um, he, they lived um, in Purbright, uh, near this bit, these big woods. And so we just, uh, we just exchanged numbers. The next Thursday, I took Ethan and we hung out with them. Um, and we just went on this big hike and this big exploration on the woods. And we had, a, we had fun. I, he said to me very early on, in fact, at that singing time, he said, I've only ever been to church uh, for four weddings and a funeral. No, no, for, for two weddings and a funeral, something like that. It's just a film link. Um, I wouldn't watch it if I was you. Um, he said, I never go to church, but I've just come to this because I'm just desperate to do stuff with George and to meet people. So care before you share was really in my mind as I hung out with Nick. And so I didn't tell him what I did for a living. I'm a pastor at a church. Uh, and my role is to help people connect with church and with Jesus. I didn't think I'd tell him that on my first uh, adventure in the woods. We just hung out and we chatted and we laughed and we talked about all sorts of stuff. And over time, um, he, he eventually asked me, most people want to talk about themselves. He eventually asked me, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor at a church. And he's like, Oh, right, okay. Um, it didn't put him off. We continued to hang out. As we were heading towards our church building launch, January 2020, so this was like a couple of months before, I really wanted to invite Nick to come. And I was thinking, he never goes to church, ever. Um, and so I invited him to hang out, to come to our life group barbecue, so we can meet some other Christians, and then to our New Year's Eve party around ours. And then I invited him, beginning of January, for something like the 16th of Jan, building launch. I said, why don't you and Ashley, your wife, and George, why don't you come to our building launch at church? No, we don't do church. Um, and I said, oh, it'll be good. I think you'll actually enjoy it. Brand new building, big celebration. And by the way, you get brekkie on arrival. We've got coffee and pastries for you. And he was like, oh, well, I wouldn't mind a bit of brekkie, but I don't really do church. In the end, he, they agreed to come. I said, look, we'll have lunch back at ours afterwards. They came. Uh, and he just stood right at the back. He's a musician, interested in the music and the technical side. And they came back for, for lunch around ours afterwards, and him and Asher could not stop talking about church. Why is that? Because Jesus has made his people the light of the world. And as people come into his presence in his church, people encounter something of him. And they couldn't stop talking about it. And he said, oh... Um, he said, I might even come next week, even if it's just for the brekkie, which was his way of saying, look, I'd like to come, but I need a little bit of an excuse to come. So he came the week after and the week after and the week after. And after four or five weeks, we promoted Alpha and Nick signed up to that as well. And bit by bit, this guy who's never been to church in his life for a church meeting was starting to connect with God because he had a Christian in his life who cared before he shared. 
Listening opens the door to be heard. This is a good one for me to remember. And if you're like me and you like the sound of your own voice, listening opens the door to be heard. Um, It's been said you've got one mouth and two ears. You should use them in equal measure. You should listen twice as much as you speak. Um, And it's something that I need to remember. James 1.19 reminds us, Take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. When I was a sales director in the golf industry, we took on a new sales rep in Scotland called Ken. And I I went up to Scotland, flew up there and I was going to spend a couple of days in his car, driving up the east coast of Scotland, meeting some of his customers, getting to know them, them getting to know our business, etc. We had loads of time in the car together. And on our second day, we drove past the church. And here's my Scottish accent, just so you know what's coming up, it's a Scottish accent, okay. (laughs) It might sound a bit more Geordie. He said... do you mind if I say this in church? I bloody hate Christians, he said. As we, that wasn't Scottish, and I'm sorry to use that word, but that's what he said. Um, he said, I hate Christians, as we went past the church. And what do you do in that moment? I felt really defensive. I felt a bit cross. I thought, that's unfair. You're criticising me, because you're talking about how you... you blinking hate Christians and I wanted to defend Christians I wanted to talk about what amazing people so many Christians I know are and what you're saying is grossly unfair and yet listening opens the door to be heard and just for once I remembered to just ask a question not so that I can just shoehorn my answer but ask a question in order to understand and so I said oh what makes you say that George he then spoke almost without taking a breath for for the next 90 minutes and at the end of it he said oh I feel so much better. He said, I haven't had a chance to talk about my, my thoughts and my beliefs um, and about things like religion for years. Oh. He said, what do you believe? <laughs> and I said, I'm actually a Christian. And he said, he said, what? And he, he, he kept saying to me, he kept saying to me, I'm, I'm, I was going to do a Scottish accent, I won't. He kept saying, I am so impressed. I am so impressed. He said, I've met so many Christians that just want to like push their views on me and don't care about what I think. I've met so many hypocritical Christians who don't practice what they preach and all you've done is listen. And that, op- that listening did open the door to be heard in all sorts of ways. So as Ken had different dramas going on around his family, he would get in touch with me and ask me what I thought. Um, when he had stuff that he didn't know the answer to, he'd allow me to pray for him and his family. When his grandson was born really prematurely, he asked me to come up and pray for the baby. And you can imagine how utterly over the moon I was when he told me they started to connect to a church and then he told me that two of the four of them were getting baptised. Isn't it just incredible what God wants to do in the lives of people, not because we're trying to stimulate something, but because he's the God who's at work. We were talking last week about Jesus saying, my father is always working. The God who's always at work that wants to work through you and me as we love people well. It's just incredible. Loving people towards Jesus means meeting a need. And if you look at the life and the teaching of Jesus, you see this come through so often. You see it in him telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he's talking about love those who love you. Actually, love those who don't love you. Give to those who can't pay you, pay you back. Meet a need. Matthew chapter 25, he talks about all the different ways that we can care for people in our lives. He listed um, all sorts of things like feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, giving somewhere to live to the homeless, visiting those in prison. 
And that wasn't an exhaustive list. He was just saying, care for people who cannot repay you. Give to people, bless people who have an area of need. And he would encourage each of us to spend ourselves, our time, our resources, our money and our hearts on the people all around us. That's so important to Jesus. During lockdown, Neil's mum became seriously ill in hospital. Um, And I just felt like I wanted to reach out. I didn't know him particularly well. He was a um, friend of a friend and he... um, I'd seen him at a few things, didn't have his number, didn't really know him. But I just felt stirred to reach out. His mum was seriously ill and I I got hold of his number and I just dropped him a note and said, hey, why don't we meet up to chat? I heard what's what's happening with your mum. Why don't we just meet to chat? So we met up on a Thursday morning, went for a walk before work. And we just chatted, just asked him how he was doing, asked him what was going on and um, how his mum was doing. And he just unloaded, just unloaded. We did it once a week for a few weeks. And before I'd even got in touch with him, because I know God loves people, because I know Jesus wants to meet people in their time of need, I just had a confidence that, God, I believe you want to do something in Neil's life. I believe you want to just meet him in this difficult time that he's going through. And so as we met, he knew I was a pastor of the church. He knew what I did, all that sort of thing. Um, And so we just chatted and asked him questions um, and offered to pray for him, which he was really grateful for. Um, But what I did, because I I wanted to be sort of intentional just to open up opportunities for us to talk further about faith, etc. I just put things like, Wednesday nights we do Alpha, Thursday morning I meet Neil for a a walk. So I'd always say, oh, uh, last night we had Alpha, this happened, that happened. Just popped it in the conversation just to see if anything would, if he wanted to pick that up or not. What I often find is if you just drop things into conversations that aren't like a pushy, I'm now going to educate you about Alpha, but just pop things in. This is what I did last night, Alpha, have you heard of it? And just see what someone does with it. And if they say, that's really interesting anyway, I will just move on with them onto a different conversation. But if they just want to pause and ask questions about it or talk about it, I'll just look at that and think, God, maybe you're at work there. So I popped Alpha into the conversation a few times. At the end of our second walk, because we got back to my house, I said, Neil, is there anything else I can do to support you? And he said, well, you mentioned Alpha. That, I think that might be really helpful for me. Maybe I could do that. And he signed up for Alpha and joined Alpha the next Wednesday. Um, he had left church as a teenager and... Um, he was now early 40s, so it might have been 25 years or so since he'd been in church. And all of a sudden, he was reconnecting with God. Um, he sent me a text message more recently, and he put this, really blessed by our friendship and the impact you've had by bringing Jesus back into my life, mate. Thank you, love you, man, and see you soon. I don't know why I put that last, you didn't need to know that last bit, but... Um, <laughs> you know as you connect with people and you believe God wants to work through you it is amazing what you will see not because you and I are perfect not because we are the special ones but because the special one is going to work through you because he's made you the light of the world it's quite extraordinary what you will see and I believe there's no greater privilege 
in this life other than knowing Jesus for ourselves there's no greater privilege than helping someone else know him too loving people towards Jesus means looking for the people God will put in your path I know where you live might sound a little bit like a threat mightn't it might sound a bit like a threat um I do know where you live but it's all right don't worry um with the very opposite tone and with the very opposite heart, God knows where you live. God knows where you work. God knows if you've got kids, where they go to school. God knows who your neighbours are. God knows where you socialise. God knows where your hobbies are and the people that are there. And none of it is an accident. In Acts 17, verses 26 to 27, it says this, God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. God has decided where and when you will live. Another translation talks about God has placed boundaries around you. Where you live and where you interact and where you move is not an accident because God has placed you there so that Jesus, the light of the world, can shine through you to the people he's placed around you. And just as God has decided where and when you will live, so God has decided where and when your neighbours will live in your street. God has decided where and when your work colleagues will work with you. God has decided where and when the people you play your sports with or go to the gym with or play your cards with or go for a jog with or drink your coffee with, God has decided where and when they will be doing these things around you. Why? Second part of the verse, God has done it so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him even though he's not far from each one of us. And as you reflect that you are the light of the world, you can be sure that the people that you're interacting with really aren't far from God <laughs> because he's, his presence is in you and he is wanting to connect with others through you. From the early days of me and Tanya becoming Christians, her brother Clint wasn't at all interested Here's a picture of Clint, his fiancée Magda and their eldest daughter Emily. Um, in the early days of us being Christians, Clint, he would have described himself back then as a sceptical agnostic. I would have definitely said he was an aggressive atheist. We had all sorts of ugly, awkward, salesman dub, defensive and angry Clint conversations. We had all sorts of really bad conversations led by me that didn't go well. And we soon learned... Talking about our faith is not something to do lightly or even often with Klim. And yet, Tanya and I just would, just would have really loved Clint to experience Jesus for himself. But I think probably through my own clumsiness and pushiness, the door was quite firmly closed. And then a couple of years ago, Clint and Magda were looking to buy a place and they were thinking they're going to move. Um, he was in Virginia Water. They were thinking they're going to move further away from us. And in the end, weirdly, they bought a house that was almost exactly halfway between our house and our church. I'd say it's within like a yard of being exactly halfway. Maybe not quite exactly a half a yard, just um, getting carried away for the sake of a story. Um, 
And I, I was thinking to myself, God, you've determined where and when people would live so that they might reach out and find you, even though you're not far from each one of them. I wonder if you've decided that Clint is going to move halfway between my house and my church. And suddenly, I'm, uh, my, there's no chance of Clint ever coming to church or to faith. Suddenly, I'm going, God, I think you're at work here. And so we wanted to start in, in, inviting them around to hang out because we love them, but also to hang out with our church friends so they could encounter not just one light of the world, but a room full of lights of the world. And they could just experience a nice, get to know a community. Didn't know anyone in town. Just get to know a community. Get to know a community of Christians who are going to just be kind and love them and do life with them. Um, and then... I was thinking I'd love them to come to our building launch in January 2020. I'm thinking I'd love them to come. And Nick and his wife, Asher and, and George, were coming and some other families from the school gate. But I, be, I guess because of the closeness of our relationship, Clint was the one I was most nervous about asking. And I was thinking, I don't know what he'll say. In the end, they said yes, which led me to being really excited and extra nervous. What will it be like? What will they think of it? Will they love it? Will they hate it? Will they never come back? Will they want to return? Um, and at the end of that Sunday, again, they came back for lunch with Nick and Asher and other people, and we we're chatting to them and, and having conversations. And as, they, as we talked that Sunday afternoon, Clint and Magda talked about how uplifting and inspiring they found the morning. Wow. The Clint that was an angry, um, semi-aggressive atheist. I'm probably doing him a bit of a disservice there. Um, he's suddenly in church going, I found it uplifting and inspiring. Wow. Came back the following week and the following week. And then when lockdown hit, um, they had a little girl, um, couldn't get out to do Alpha online. So I get Alpha in person. So I'm thinking, I don't know how that's going to work. Suddenly um, lockdown came and we're doing Alpha online. And me and Tiny were going to host a group. And so I said to Clint and Magda, amongst other people, do Alpha with us online. Um, you can just sit in your front room, we won't need to get a babysitter, or it won't be that one of you comes, the other one stays. Do Alpha with us online. And I said, by the way, Alpha, we normally do meals, uh, but it's, it's in lockdown, so we, we can't feed you in the church. So I'll drop a takeaway off to you beforehand. And so they were two of six people that did Alpha online as a, in, a, in a group with Tanya, amongst other people who did Alpha online with us as a church. And all the way through the first probably three quarters of it, Clint was like the antagonist of the group, nudging and prodding and pushing, a bit sceptical. Oh, and we'd finished some nights and Tanya was going, oh, that was hard work. Um, towards the end, you just felt he started to soften and you felt like he was starting to become open to the message of Jesus. And at the end of that alpha, we filmed some alpha stories, like one minute or so stories where people talked about who invited you to alpha? What were you nervous about? How come you said yes? How did you find it? Would you invite anyone else to do to do Alpha. And I said to Clint, can we film you? And he, uh, he agreed. And one thing he said in his interview was this, that he'd gone from zero interest in Christianity and God to doing Alpha, realising afterwards that it was the start of a new ongoing spiritual journey. Isn't that amazing? Just to put it in perspective, it was 18 years from when Tanya and I had become Christians before her brother did Alpha with us. 18 years. And yet the God who loves him, the one who sits, searches for the lost, like the shepherd searching for the lost sheep, <laughs> hadn't given up on Clint and in fact positioned him in a place where we could start to connect him to our church family and then to church. I spoke to him quite recently and um, I didn't begin this conversation. He began it and he said, I want to redo Alpha, but this time not from a position of skeptic 
being a skeptic wanting to disprove but from position of wanting to believe he is really getting close to coming to faith in Jesus can I encourage you I know there'll be Christians here and you'll be you'll have lost heart that people in your life that you love that have that you've had years of them not coming to faith can I just encourage you that the good shepherd who searches for the lost sheep, Jesus, who has come to seek and save the lost, doesn't give up. Doesn't give up. Can you allow Clint's story to encourage you on again that you can continue to love people in your life towards Jesus because he loves them? Loving people towards Jesus means looking for the people God will put in your path. And I've noticed that as I've come to believe that I'm the light of the world because Jesus has made me that, and as I've come to realise that people around me are not there by accident, it's helped me to look up, to look up and to expect there to be people that God is at work in people's lives, to expect it, because that's what he does. So when I ran a football team, we had eight players who came on alpha with us. Um, When I worked in business, three colleagues, including Ken, came to faith in Jesus Since my kids started school, we've had about 30 families from school come to our church fun days, about 10 families come to our carol services, 15 individuals have done Alpha, and maybe half a dozen have come to faith in Jesus. Let me encourage you that God is always at work, and as you look up at the people God has placed around you, you will start to see him at work in all sorts of people, in all sorts of ways. I'm just going to share two more stories, and then the band will come back up. Um, during lockdown uh, our youngest Ethan was going to a nursery in the church building right next to our house and one day me and Tanya dropped him off there one morning and there was a just a a dad there just sort of hanging around looking like he wanted to say hi Um, uh, by the way I'd noticed in the on the on the wall outside the church there's this massive alpha banner I just noticed it because people have called me an alphaholic um it's just a little play on words, if you got that one. Um, so I just noticed it, and I thought it was just in my mind. So anyway, just saw this guy wanting to say, looked like he wanted to say hi. Didn't really know him, but sort of recognised his face a little bit. So I said hello. His name was Darren. Um, he'd been on the school gate, but his kids in different classes for, uh, for maybe two or three years, but had never spoke to him. And we just began a conversation. And really quickly, he said to me, what do you do for work? And for me, oh, you're asking me too soon. I want you to get to know me more. I want to care before I share. But what do you do for work? So I thought, well, he's asked. So I said, I'm I'm a pastor at Welcome Church in Woking. Uh, Part of what I do is I run our Alpha courses. Have you ever heard of Alpha? And he said, I've always wanted to do Alpha. Just never known how I can do it. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) Now, if God's not at work, I've got to stimulate faith in this bloke out of nowhere. But if God's always working, then these things do happen. The more you look up, the more you get your head up and you look around at the people around you, the more you see God at work and the more you see people, um, some who are distant but can connect closer through relationships, others who are close and just need an invite. And so um, I then thought, well, I, I better invite him then, didn't I? Better invite him to Alpha. So he did Alpha with us during the summer. I'll come back to Darren in just a mo. That was last summer. Um, one of my oldest friends, Baron, is married to Haley, uh, And during lockdown, around the same time of, uh, as meeting Darren out there, um, Haley was due to come and see Tanya one day. Um, and I, I was working from home. And I was thinking, I'll say hi, then I'll get on with some work. Because I'm very busy and important. I haven't got time to sit and chat. Uh, and then um, at lunchtime, I'll maybe sit with them for 20 minutes. And, um, and then 
see how we go. And I opened the door to her and she was still on the doorstep after about 20 minutes or so, just sort of unloading so much stuff that was going on in her life. And I just thought, I'm so busy and important, but I'm going to have to make time. It's a joke, by the way, just a joke. Um, so I thought, I, bet I need to just pause my work. It's hard, right? I've got, I had a big to-do list, lots to do. It can feel hard. I thought, I just need to pause my work. And so me and Tanya and Haley sat and chatted and she's unloaded for a long time. And at the end of it, we've known her for years. Um, and so that relationship is there. So at the end of her unloading all of her worries about life and all sorts of stuff, I just said, can I encourage you to do Alpha with us? I think it will really help. You get to hear all about Jesus and uh, uh, about his character and his promises and the impact he wants to make on your life. Can I encourage you? And she went, all right, I'll do Alpha. And so she did Alpha online during lockdown. We then did Alpha in person, starting last autumn, coming up to January just gone. And I invited Darren and Haley to redo Alpha. And they're on a, in a group that I was hosting. Um, and all the way through, I'm going, I don't know where they're, how they're getting on. Not sure, really not sure. When we did Alpha online, you could see Darren was, had Alpha on his screen there. You could see his face and then his, the, like the glass doors of his patio. And the reflection was a, a screen watching football just there. So he's, he's pretending, to, <laughs> pretending to do Alpha, but you can see he's watching football. And so I'm going, I don't know where those two have got, but he's... He's come and done Alpha in person with us as well. We get to the final session, which was our, we did the Holy Spirit session on Saturday, 15th of January this year. And they came along. It was our final session. I'm thinking, I don't know where they got to. And I thought, I'm just going to ask them. And both of them in their own words said words to this effect. Um, I believe Jesus is God's son. I believe he came to earth. I believe he died for me. I believe he's risen again and I want to follow him. Words to that effect, both of them. And I just just about stopped myself from sobbing because these two people that one I've loved for years and one I've loved for six months both of them are saying I want to give my life to following Jesus it's just incredible and there's a picture of Darren coming up on the screen here now Um, that was me and others praying for him on Easter Sunday when he got baptized a couple of weeks ago and this was a message he sent me Monday last week Um, Hi, mate. I wanted to text to thank you for introducing me to Welcome Church. I have a lot to learn, but really feel committed to my faith and know that I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. I owe you a massive amount of gratitude. Can I encourage you, as the band come up and as I draw to a close... Yeah, sorry. (laughs) The band are going to lead us through sobbing and worship. Um, Can you just reflect on the fact that as you help people encounter Jesus, they are always so delighted that you have. Now, there'll be people that you will look to introduce to Jesus and it doesn't happen. And you might allow them to cause you to to shrink back in the garden, just can't do it. But as you introduce people to Jesus and they encounter him, there is always such gratitude. If you think for yourself, if you're a Christian, like, wow, how grateful I am to the people who loved me, who prayed for me, who invited me. How grateful I am. That's what people will be like as you help them encounter Jesus. As we draw to a close, if you're thinking, I haven't got anyone in my life who's not a Christian, can I just encourage you to think about the boundaries God has placed around you, where you live, where, who are your neighbours, where you work, who are your colleagues, where you exercise, where you have fun, where you drink your lemonade or your beer, where you take your kids if you've got them. As you start to think about all these places, I reckon it'd be worth you doing this this week, just jotting down a list of all the different names of people who aren't Christians that you've just connected with in all those ways. And you'll realise God has put a lot of people 
around me because he loves them and wants them to meet him. As we head into worship, let me just remind you, God loves people so much. He loves people so much that Jesus came and died for them. And he loves people so much that he's put them in your life so that you can love people towards Jesus. We're not talking about the high bar of soapbox preaching. Just to remind you, we're talking about something that every Christian can do. We're talking about the qualifying bar for loving people towards Jesus being simply this, that you love Jesus, (laughs) that you care for the people in your life and that you desire that they come to know him that's the qualifying bar next week the topic is called loving people on purpose and we'll look at the intentionality you and I can have that can help people come into Jesus's presence so that he can do what only he can do and save them we'll do that next week but for now let's just respond to God the God who loves people the God who saves by worshipping why don't we stand as the band lead us Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.